Listen, if you have your Bible, I want you to turn to Philippians, the first chapter, because we're going to go there in just a few moments. Because we're in a series, and, and I want to take just a... Uh, I'm not going to try to prolong this too very long, because I, I know that some of you do have uh, some more graduation parties that uh, and, and events and, and all those kind of things. And I do appreciate... We always appreciate you being here. We never want to abuse the time, but we want to use the time to find what God is speaking to us and connect with Him in some way through the Word of God. Amen? Amen. And so that's what we want to do this morning. We want to connect with the Word. I want you to turn to Philippians, the first chapter. We're going to go there in just a few minutes. But we're in a series entitled, Resting in the Lord. Resting in the Lord. And we, we started talking about this last week because as Christians, we, uh, we have to deal with the pressures of life. I mean, everybody does, right? Let's be honest. Everybody has to deal with the pressures of life. The, the difference is that we have to deal with the pressures of life and the opposition of the enemy. And we're supposed to do it all while building the kingdom of God and, and doing what He's calling us to do. So, there is a need for us to learn how to rest in the Lord. I mean, the Bible says it this way in Psalms, the 37th chapter. And I know you say, you say, well, you just told us to turn to Philippians. Well, I'm going there in a minute, but let me, let me set this up. Psalms, the 37th chapter says, Rest in the Lord and wait patiently for Him. I'm going to say that again because I think it is so vital in these days and this time, in this time period, that we begin to see what the Holy Spirit is trying to say to us personally. Because how many of you know that there are people all around you that are stressed out? How many of you know people in your family that are stressed out? How many of you know people on your road? No, don't raise your hand. Don't raise your hand. Um, you know, sometimes it may be the people we're, to, you know, we're not talking about people. We're talking about ourselves. There are people all through society and our culture that are absolutely stressed out. I really do believe this is one of the reasons that we have such volatility within the uh, culture that we live in. I mean, if I say hello, people can just go off. Are you in the house? Uh, you know, I, 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 I remember not too long ago, I was, I don't know where I was, but I said, how are you today? And they said, well, it's none of your business. I wanted to just say, well, okay. No, I actually want to do something else, but it would just, they were, they were so volatile. And, and I really do believe that a lot of people are just in that, that stage of stress. And, and what happens to us is, is we as Christians, we're supposed to be building the kingdom of God. We're supposed to be a witness and a testimony for God. Come on, anybody in the house? We're supposed to be a testimony, yet sometimes we are among some of the most stressed out individuals on the planet. Yet the Bible says, rest in the Lord. Wait patiently for Him. Now, we told you last week, and I'm not going to reiterate too much of it. You can go to the, the, the website, and you can download the podcast or whatever. And, and you can see what we talked about last week. But the Hebrew word rest right here doesn't just mean kick your feet up, you know, pull the lazy boy out and, and chill. What it means, actually, in the Hebrew is to be dumb. D-U-M-B. Or to be silent. We could actually see it as, as, as a, a lawyer that maybe on the prosecution or the defense side, when they present their case and everything, and then they say to the judge, Your Honor, the defense or the prosecution rests. What is it? I'm done talking. 
I'm done presenting the case that I'm supposed to say. and, And how many of you realize that many times you and me, we are our own worst enemies? Come on, you, you don't want to admit it on a Sunday morning. I realize this is, this is June and you don't want to admit it. But how many of you know that sometimes your mouth has gotten you in a lot of trouble? Come on, sometimes our mouths are, are in the wrong places. We're talking about stuff we don't know anything about. We don't have all the facts. But we heard it on Facebook, so therefore it's Facebook truth. Are you in the house? Come on, how many of you have ever been caught doing... See, and please, please forgive me. I, I'm, I'm going to digress for just a second, but you'll still love me, I hope. I may not copy and paste that Jesus loves me from your page, but that doesn't mean I don't love Jesus. And if I scroll past without typing amen, does not mean I'm an atheist. It just means I don't know how to do some of that stuff. I don't know how to copy and paste all the time. That's why I have grandchildren. I can call my eight-year-old granddaughter and say, Honey, do this for Poppy. And she says, Sure. There, we're done. I actually could probably call my you know, five or six-year-old you know, year old or my two- or three-year-old, and they can do it a lot better than I can. But listen, what I'm trying to say is, so many of us are saying things that we don't really know all the truth about. We don't have all the facts. Come on. I'm preaching better than you're even looking at me right now. See, and, and what happens is many times we're putting ourselves into a, 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 a predicament with our own mouths. Well, I, I'm going to move on because that's, that's not run anywhere. Let me, let me show you what the, the Bible says about this. Psalms 37 in, in the Message Bible, verse 7 through 9. I like it just the way it says. It says, quiet down before God. Be prayerful before Him. Don't bother with those who climb the ladder. Who elbow their way to the top. Now, this is what I love. I love this. Listen, you got to listen to this. Bridle your anger, trash your wrath, and cool your pipes. Turn to the person next to you and say, it's time for you to cool your pipes. Listen, it only makes things worse. Before long, the crooks will be bankrupt. The God investors will soon own the store. What I'm trying to tell you is last week we started talking about this resting in the Lord. And we, we, we started to use a, an acrostic of the word rest, R-E-S-T. And we started with the letter R. And we said R was going to stand for release. Because one of the most freeing things that any person, especially a Christian, one of the most freeing things you can do is learn how to let some things go. Listen, i got all the time in the world. I ain't got nothing to do tonight. I am free. That didn't mean you need to call me up. But, you know, I'm just saying. What, what I'm saying is, I, I, listen, i, I got some time, so I'm going to let that one sink for just a second because you need to let some things go. In fact, turn to somebody and say, let it go. Come on, turn to them again and say, I said, let it go. Release. We talked about that last week, and we're not going to go back over that because we want to get on with this second week now. And we wanted to go into that second part, or that that second letter, E, and we're going to make that enjoy. Everybody say enjoy. You see, Benjamin Franklin once said it this way. Contentment makes poor men rich. And discontentment makes rich men poor. I'm going to say that again. Benjamin Franklin said... Contentment makes poor men rich, and discontentment makes rich men poor. 
What I'm going to tell you is there's too many people that go to the house of God each and every week. We, we, we are Christians. We love Jesus. But we don't enjoy life. We simply endure it. And listen, I'm not trying to tell you that every moment as a Christian is going to be filled with happy, happy, joy, joy. I'm not telling you that every moment is going to be filled with overwhelming pleasure and happiness. But listen to me. Listen to me, child of God. If life is just a series of chores and obstacles to get through, then we're not catching the real sense of joy that God wants us to live with. If this is just a chore, if, if living from day to day is just an obstacle that I have to get over... Oh, come on, somebody. See, let me, let me show it to you in the Bible. Jeremiah, the 33rd chapter, says this, verse 6 in the NIV. I will, this is God speaking, he says, I will bring health and healing. I will heal my people and let them enjoy abundant peace and security. Verse 8 goes on and says, I will cleanse them from all the sin they have committed against me and will forgive all the sins of rebellion against me. Verse 11 of that same chapter. The sounds of joy and gladness, the voices of bride and bridegroom and the voices of those those who bring thank offerings to the house of the Lord, saying, Give thanks to the Lord Almighty, for the Lord is good, and His love endures forever. Listen, this is the way that God wants us to live. This is how He wants us to live, with peace, with freedom, and with joy. And, and when we understand this, it will be strength for our journey. Wait a minute, preacher. You just told me that... that, that, that uh, you know, it wasn't going to be every moment was not going to be filled with overwhelming happiness. Well, that's the problem is so many times we as Christians, we think our happiness or our joy or what God intends for us is determined by the circumstances we find ourselves in at that moment. How many of you know that every one of us wants to have good circumstances, right? We all want good situations. We want good, we want, uh, good things to happen to us each and every day. I, 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 there's not one person in this house that is looking forward to tragedy tomorrow. None of us. However, whether tragedy hits or it doesn't does not determine the joy that God has given to us. See, happiness is something that is absolutely dependent upon the circumstances or the situations we find ourselves in. If I gave you a lottery ticket and the lottery ticket was the winning number, some of you would get happy. Some of you, I'm not sure. I'm not sure what, will, what it would take to get some of you happy. Listen, and I'm not, I'm not trying to be mean. What I'm saying is, I, I don't know. Maybe it would be for, you know, for your house to be clean. Maybe, maybe it would be for your husband to be nice. Maybe it would be for your wife to recognize and, and respect what you try to do each and every week. I, I don't know what it would take for you to be happy. But listen, if your circumstances went really well tomorrow, some of you would begin to be happy. The problem is... If you're waiting for those circumstances to change in order to be in joy, you're missing what God is trying to do within you. Oh, this is going real well. Listen, I want good circumstances. How many of you want good circumstances? I want good situations. But listen, having joy is not about a circumstance. That's an external thing. And, and listen, how many of you know that it can change from moment to moment? 
will change. How many of you know that you can get up in the morning and have something bad happen and it will, it will determine what you do and what, what you think until a certain point in your day and then you go, listen, yeah, I'm not going to go there. I'm going to change my attitude. I'm going to, or you could, you could start out the day with sunshine and then end it up with tears. You could start the day tomorrow with, with your child being so loving and by the end of the day you want to kill him and make another one. Right? Come on. How many of you know that circumstances change? If not shouting, you better get Angela to start the truck. Listen, turn to somebody and say, circumstances change. Situations change. It's external. But listen to me. Joy is from God and is internal. It's the strength to be able to live through whatever life brings. This is what I'm talking about with joy. See, see, the Bible says it this way in Nehemiah the 8th chapter, the 10th verse. The joy of the Lord is what? Our strength. Come on, let's read it together. The joy of the Lord is your strength. Now, I want you to understand something because there's been times that I've read this scripture and I actually got it turned around. And I don't want you to get this turned around this morning. Because it's not the strength that you personally possess that becomes your joy. No, it is the joy that God has that you receive strength from. Oh, see, some of you didn't catch that. Some of you did, but some of you didn't catch that. It is not your joy. So if you go around going, ha, 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 all the time, that means you're in joy. Then you've got strength, right? No. Because it's not about your ability to produce good circumstances that give you happiness. It's not about any of that. What it is, the Bible says it's a joy God has. How does God have joy? How does God have joy? Can I tell you? Listen, I'm glad you asked because I want to tell you how God has joy. You know how God has joy? Thank you for asking. Let me tell you. God has joy simply in the fact that you are you. Huh? How many of you have joy just because your kids are your kids. I didn't say they did something right. I didn't say that they always, you know, did, did you know, uh, clean their room when, when you told them to. I didn't say, no, no. How many of you take joy just in the fact that your kids are your kids? You know why you take joy? Because you love them. You know why God takes joy in you? He is wild, crazy, stupid in love with you. Oh, Pastor, no, 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 no. Just like a, a parent finds joy in their child because of the love they have for them, so God loves us. You don't have to turn to it. Let me, let me just read you a scripture. You don't have to turn to it. I don't, I don't have it on the, the, the screen for you, but Ephesians, the first chapter, you can look this up later. Ephesians 1, 5, I'm reading out of the New Living Testament. It says, God decided in advance to adopt us into his own family by bringing us to himself through Jesus Christ. Now listen, this is what he wanted to do. Listen, and it gave... Him great pleasure. I'm going to slow down right here because somebody needs to hear me right here. By the Spirit of God. God is in love with you. You ready for this? And when He thinks about you, He gets joy. No, no. No, Pastor. When God looks at me and when He sees me, when He thinks about me, He has disgust. He has shame. He has embarrassment. He, 
he is, he's, it's kind of like, yeah, it's mine. No. And I'm talking to someone right now because what I need you to understand is that when God sees you, He does not look at you with disgust. He does not look at you with shame. He does not look at you with regret. He has joy. Listen, if we could ever get that, if we could ever really get that, it could change and revolutionize some of our thinking. I grew up thinking every time God looked at me, I needed to do this. Because when He looked at me, surely He was seeing all of my past and all of my mistakes and all of my, uh, all of my junk and all of my insecurities and all of my imperfections and all of my this and all of my that. I told you last week, when God looks at you, He sees Jesus in you and He says, I have joy. I know it's a 70's term, but I was a 70's kid. That blows my mind. To think that when God sees me, He has joy. Listen, why don't you... You know, the Bible says that we overcome by the blood of the Lamb and by the word of our testament. Turn to somebody real quick and tell them, say, when God sees me, He has joy. Some of you are going to struggle with that, you know what? Some of you are going to struggle trying to say that. But what you have to understand is His joy... His joy that is based in His love is what is our strength. Now, Philippians 1. I told you to go there. Now, we're going to get there in just a second. In Philippians 1, Paul talks about this joy and this strength that we have. But let me... I want to set this up because some of you... Some of you... Sometimes, I'll say it this way, sometimes we read scriptures and we don't know some of the background and so it just kind of flies in one ear and right out the other or right over our heads and we don't realize what the men or the women or the people in the Bible, what they were actually having to endure in order to say some of the things that they said. Let me set Philippians 1 up with a little bit of background. See, for two years, Paul was in prison. Let me just show you. He was in prison in Caesarea on trumped-up charges. He was not guilty, but he was in prison for two years. And then he is put on a ship where he's going to go stand before Nero, who was not known for his nice treatment of Christians. Anybody remember history? In fact, what he would do is he would dip the, the Christians in wax and then use them as his human candles. While they were still living. Oh, you, you ain't in the house. So, so here's some background. On the way to see Rome, or to, the way to Rome to stand before Nero, he gets shipwrecked on an island, and while he's there, he gets bitten by a poisonous snake. He has to stay there an entire winter, and then he has to get back on a boat and go to Rome where he spends two more years in prison awaiting to have the trial. So he's been four years and a winter awaiting this trial on trumped-up charges. At this trial, he's already been told that he's going to be executed. And during this two-year period, watch this, when he's in Rome... He is shackled to a Roman soldier 24 hours a day. They rotated every four hours with a fresh soldier. That's the background of Philippians 1. Now watch what he says. In verse 12, he starts and he says, Paul and Timothy... Servants of Christ Jesus to all the saints in Christ Jesus at Philippi, together with the overseers and deacons, grace and peace to you from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. He's in prison, 
shackled to a Roman guard when he's writing this. I thank my God every time I remember you. In all my prayers for all of you, I always pray with joy. Because of your partnership in the gospel from the first day until now. Being confident of this, that he who began a good work in you will carry it on to the completion until the day of Christ Jesus. It's right for me to feel this way about all of you since I have you in my heart. For whether I am in chains or defending and confirming the gospel, all of you share in God's grace with me. God can testify how I long for all of you with the affection of Christ Jesus. And this is my prayer. That I get out of bondage. That I get out of chains. No, that your love may abound more and more in knowledge and depth of insight so that you may be able to discern what is best and may be pure and blameless unto the day of Christ, filled with the fruit of righteousness that comes through Jesus Christ, to the glory and praise of God. Now, I want you to know, brothers, that what has happened to me has really served to advance the gospel. He's in chains and writing to us about how he's taking joy. Come on, some of us can't take joy because it's cloudy. Listen to me, listen to me. Some of us can't take joy because the car we have is more than 10 years old. Wow, it's quiet in this Presbyterian church. Some of us can't tell. Are you in this house? He's in prison. He's in shackles 24 hours a day, every four hours. So even during the night, he's woken every four hours for a fresh guard to be hooked up to him. I thank God. I write to you with joy. My prayer is that you would abound in love. Come on. Paul's giving us some clues. How we're going to have to rest and enjoy life. He's giving us some clues. And I, I, want to, I want to give you some practical clues this morning from Paul. Philippians, the first chapter. Of how you and I, if we're going to rest in the Lord, we can enjoy. How are we going to do that? Well, it starts by looking at life from God's perspective. Everybody say God's perspective. See, everyone has problems. Amen? Every one of us has problems. Some of them are pretty big and some of them are blown out of proportion. But what happened was there, you, some of you brought those problems with you into this morning's service and you found it hard to worship God because those problems were stealing your rest and your enjoyment in life. Do I have anybody in this house that will admit and say amen? Say amen for the person next to you. See, what Paul said, he said, you've got to begin to look at life with a different perspective. When he said, what has happened to me has actually served to advance the gospel. What he was saying was this. The way we look at a problem is much more important than the problem itself for us personally. Listen to me. When our view or our perspective of a problem becomes our focus, then our focus becomes our direction. And whatever our direction is determines our destination. Listen, well, I, 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 I put this out this week and, and I, I took it directly from my sermon here. What we've got to remember is we can't give permanent status to temporary situations in our lives, our hearts, or our minds. How many of you have ever tried to put a permanent tag on a temporary situation? 
See, the issue you face, listen to me somebody, the issue you are facing right now is temporary. The pain you feel is temporary. The need you have is temporary. It can change unless you put a permanent tag on it. I'm going to tell you, Jesus, on the other hand, is permanent unless you assign Him a temporary status. I'm talking to somebody this morning. I hope you're listening because Paul says in Philippians 1, verse 12 through 13, he says, I want you to know, brothers, that what has happened to me has really served to advance the gospel. As a result, it has become clear throughout the whole palace guard and everyone else that I am in chains for Christ. See, what Paul was doing, he was keeping the focus on Jesus and not the chains that bound him physically. He was putting a temporary tag on the chains and a permanent tag on Jesus Christ. Listen, we can't take temporary situations and put permanent status to them. Listen, I've done that. What I'm trying to tell you is it's not working good. It will never work good. When you begin to take a temporary thing that's in your life and you begin to give it permanent status, what you're doing is by the authority of your words and the authority of your life, you are beginning to make something temporary into something permanent. When God said no, it can change. We've got to be, if we're going to enjoy life, we have got to begin to see from God's perspective. And I know that's hard because You know, we see God up here, and we're down here. We're in the muck and the mire of life itself. It's so hard to see from a better perspective when you're right in the middle of it, right? But listen, if we're going to enjoy life, we've got to realize that our God is big enough to take every circumstance. He can turn it around and He can make something good come out of anything. Someone needs to hear me today. Someone needs to hear me. God can turn your situation. He can flip every bad condition. He can shake every circumstance. And He can bring something good if you will keep the focus on Him and not the problem itself. This is what Romans 8 chapter is talking about when it says, We know that all things work together. What? What? For good. To them who love the Lord. To those who are called according to His purpose. First thing that we've got to do, practical thing we've got to begin to do in order if we're going to enjoy life, we're going to rest and enjoy life, we're going to have to see things from God's perspective. But let me give you another one real quick this morning. That is, we're going to have to live life with God's priorities. How many of you know that if you don't set your priorities, or you don't choose what your priorities are going to be, You will continually run from one problem to the next, putting out one fire and one issue after another. I've done this too many years in my life. Where I allowed what I was involved in in life, or where I was at that point in life, to determine what my priority was going to be, and I didn't set it, and it was set for me. How many of you have ever had something else or someone else or a situation to set your priority rather than you being able to set it? See, Philippians, the first chapter, verse 14 through 15 says, 
Because of my chains, Paul says, most of the brothers in the Lord have been encouraged to speak the Word of God more courageously and fearlessly. It is true. Now listen, it is true that some preach Christ out of envy and rivalry, but others out of goodwill. Verse 18, he goes on and says, but what does that matter? The important thing is that in every way, whether from false motives or true, Christ is preached. And because of this, I rejoice. Yes, and I will continue to rejoice. Listen to me. Paul said that some of the people that were doing ministry around him had wrong motives. And you you know what? Some of them were very highly critical of Paul himself. But Paul said he was going to keep the focus on Jesus and not the people. Listen, let me give you some clues and some wisdom. Everybody say, this is some wisdom. Listen, in fact, somebody needs to take this as a light bulb moment. If you want something to steal your rest and your joy, just listen and focus to everyone around you who criticizes. How many of you have ever had someone around you that criticized everything, you included? If you want to lose your rest, if you want to lose your enjoyment in life, start listening to what they say. Well, Pastor, you just told us this morning that you wanted us to connect. I want you to connect with real people, not nasty people. Turn to the person next to you and say, don't be nasty. See, I want to give you some wisdom. You ready for this? You ready for this? Here's some wisdom. Here's some more wisdom. We need to know what is important and what is not. And if it don't matter, listen to me, listen to me, this is, this is so good. Don't fight over it. We've got whole congregations and whole movements within the Christian world that are fighting over whether the, the, the style of worship, whether we should do hymns or whether we should do choruses or, 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 or spiritual songs, whether we should have them up on the wall or whether we should have a hymnal. We've got churches that are, are fighting and splitting over the colors of carpet. Are you... Are you kidding me? We've got people that fight over the way that people dress. I've had people say, well, I could never attend your church because I, you don't dress up. And I said, well, fine. There's a lot of churches that dress up. Well, I just don't understand how you could do that. Well, that's fine. Don't come. Well, I just don't understand how you could be godly and do it. And I started thinking, listen, I don't have a problem. Go someplace where you can stick on a tie and a top knot. I don't care. And if you don't, listen, listen, if it's not worth, how many of you know that stuff's not worth fighting about? How many of you have ever got involved in a fight and after you got there you went, why are we doing this? Have you ever been there? Do I have at least three or four people that have, have found yourself in a fight and after a while you started thinking, why are we even fighting? This is silly. Listen, I'm going to give you some wisdom. If you find that the fight isn't worth it, then stop fighting. Help me, Jesus. Turn to, listen, turn to somebody and say, say this. Say, stop fighting battles that don't matter. Listen, keep the focus on Jesus. That is the priority. Listen, I, I could go there a long time, but I, I, don't want to, I don't want to spend too much time. But we have fought in the, in the Christian world. We fought about stupid stuff for too long. We fight, about, we fight about whether people laughing in the church is, is biblical or, or scriptural or, or spiritual. Oh, I don't think that's scriptural. Well, if you don't want to laugh, don't. Don't. You, 
we have people, listen, I've got people all the time that, you remember a couple weeks ago that I told you take your phone out and everybody do a selfie Sunday? It was just a fun, listen, it was a fun thing, okay? Okay, those that are watching live stream, stop emailing me. How people email me, sir? Why did you do that? I said, because it was for fun. But you were in church. And I said, yeah. Sometimes I, I, I just, you know, I want to say more, but a one word answer is probably sufficient. And they said, well, do you think that was right? And I said, yeah. Do you think God approved? I said, yup. And I said, well, I just don't think that that's proper for a church service. And I went, okay. Why are we fighting about some of the stuff we fight about? <laughs> I, I, I was serious. I thought about just coming back the next Sunday and going, we're doing another selfie Sunday because I want to stick it in somebody's face now. You know, I didn't. I was trying to be nice. But when you come to church, go ahead and blow the internet up. I don't care. Hashtag... I had somebody the other day that texted me and said, Your church uses too many hashtags. And I said, Unfriend us. My God in heaven above. Actually, after I did it, I sent him another one and said, Hashtag unfriend us. Sorry, sorry, I'm sorry, I'm sorry. Listen. We need to know what's important in life. Listen, if it ain't, if, if it, I'm sorry, that's not proper grammar, but if it doesn't matter, everybody say this with me. Let it go. Let it go. I don't know the rest of the song. That's all I remember from Frozen, but let it go. Listen, we're never going to enjoy life the way God intended for it. If we're going to keep holding on to stuff, you see, the Message Bible says it this way. I love it. In Philippians 1, this same scripture we just read a few minutes ago, the Message Bible says it this way. I've decided, I don't have it up there for you, but listen, I've decided that I really don't care about motives, whether mixed, bad, or indifferent. Every time one of them opens his mouth, Christ is proclaimed. So I just cheer him on. And I'm going to keep that celebration going because I know how it's all going to turn out in the end. <laughs> I love that! <laughs> Listen, we need to look at life from God's perspective. We need to... Th- th- these are practical things. Then we need to look at it with His priorities. And then let me, let me move very quickly to number three. You ready for this? Another practicality. We need to seek God's power to live. How many of you know that life, if, if you're not careful, life can wear you out? It it can drain you, right? There are going to be some days that it seems like there's one crisis after another, after another, after another, piling on. The old adage, when it rains, it... There are some days. There are some days. And if you're not careful in those moments, you will lose the energy to go on. And that's when you need God's power. A fresh supply of God's power. How do I get it, Pastor? Well, Philippians 1, verse 19. See, you say, you haven't really left Philippians. You're right. I'm, I'm trying to take this from Paul. 
Philippians 1.19 says, I know that this shall turn to my salvation through, listen, your prayer and the supply of the Spirit of Jesus Christ. The supply of the Spirit of Jesus Christ. Paul said there was going to be two things that were going to hook him up with power. He said the Holy Spirit, and then watch this, he said the prayers of other people. Now, this, uh, can, can we admit and can we come to a conclusion that the Holy Spirit will do His part if we let Him? Amen? The Holy Spirit will do His part if we let Him. But can I tell you that we each have a part called prayer? Are you in the house? Listen, I know this may not, this may not uh, uh, rank as the, the, the number one sermon I've ever done, but I tell you what, we're giving you some real good practicalities right here. God's perspective, God's priorities, and God's power. How do you access God's power? It accesses through prayer. Listen to me. I, I know sometimes, I don't know if you've ever been like me, and, and you know, I, I've got to be cautious sometimes because maybe I, I talk out of my own place or where I've been. But there have been times that I prayed and didn't feel like my prayer did anything. It never got above my, my head. I didn't feel like it you know, reached the heavens. No, it didn't reach above the ceiling. You know, it, didn't, it just didn't go nowhere. Then there have been times that I prayed and I felt like the heavens opened and it was just this hallelujah moment. And so what we begin to do is we begin to judge our prayer based upon our feeling based or related to the prayer. If I feel something, how many, how many of you have ever felt something when you were praying? Right? You know, those, oh, those are good. Those are good prayers. Those are really powerful prayers because you start praying, you start feeling the unction, you know, oh, oh, I thank you, Father, oh, God in heaven, hallelujah. And then, boy, you know, we know we're touching God. We've got the, you know, the horns of the altar. Right? But then there are times I come in and I go, oh God, am I done? No, no, no. Jesus, Holy Ghost, anyone up there? And I'm feeling zero. Well, that's not a very powerful prayer, right? That's not powerful because, you know, I didn't feel. See, what we've got to understand are prayers. Everybody say prayers. Our prayers are powerful. Whether we feel it or whether we don't, they are powerful. Look at James 5.16. It says this. Pray for each other so that you can live together whole and healed. The prayer of a person living right with God is something powerful to be reckoned with. Luke, the 21st chapter, says it this way. Whatever you do, don't go to sleep at the switch. Pray constantly that you will have the strength and wits to make it through everything that's coming. Listen, your prayer life is important and it is powerful. Now, Pastor, I just don't, I don't always feel it. Listen, let me, let me say it to you this way. Prayer is not just a nicety of spiritual life. It is a necessity of power and of resting in the Lord in this life. Oswald Chambers, a great, great author from, from way back in, 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 in the 
previous century, made a statement about prayer and he said, we need to begin to view prayer as the actual blood that flows through our bodies. Without the blood, we die. Without prayer, there's no communication. Well, Pastor, I pray over my food. I applaud you. What else? Well, I pray that God, you know, would, would help me hit the lottery. But wonderful. What else? Well, I, you know, I pray that I don't go off on that fellow co-worker. Well, I applaud you again. Good. What else? Well, Pastor, I don't have the time like you do. Oh, oh, okay, okay, okay. So the issue is time. Or the issue is just a discipline to take the time. How many of you... This is, this is just a little bit of teaching today. I, I realize I, I'm not going to stir some of you up with a stick. But, but listen, what I'm trying to tell you is we, we make time for what we want to do. That's not being unkind. I'm just being honest. You know, this afternoon, I'm going to make time for a nap. I don't care. I'm going to make time. How many of you this afternoon, you are going to find, you will carve into your day the time to eat. There are several of you that are fasting. I applaud you. Praise God for you. Fast some for us too. How many of you will make time today somewhere to do something? Listen, we do what we want to do and we will do what we carve time for. What we don't do is we don't realize the necessity of our prayer. Well, I'll pray when I get in trouble. Well, yeah, I imagine you will. How about you have a... How many of you know that the guy that just says, I love you to his wife, when he knows she's mad at him, is probably not going to get out of the being mad at Listen, we gave kudos just a few minutes ago on major brownie points. You guys should have been hearing it, taking notes. What I'm trying to tell you is prayer is not a nicety. It's a necessity. And this is what the family of God is all about. We're in this together. We have a covenant. We have a bond. We have a family relationship. We should be praying for one another. But I don't like them. (laughs) Okay. Now we're being real, right? I don't like them, Pastor. They hurt me. And listen, this is where we have to release. Because if you're going to enjoy this life, you're going to have to see things from God's perspective. You're going to have to use His priorities, seek His power in order to enjoy. See, let let me me close this out this morning. Because I want to close this. Because if we're going to rest in the Lord and enjoy... None of what we've said is going to be complete until we find God's purpose. None of this is going to be complete because many times when we talk about enjoying life, we think about our playtime. Hey, listen, playtime is wonderful, right? You get to go to the beach, you get to go to the lake, you get to go to the, you know, to the boat, you get to go to the mountains, you get to go camping, you get to go this or that or whatever. Your playtime is wonderful and, and it's great. I, I, I applaud you and I say do it. 
Our problem is, as many times when we talk about enjoying life, we think of it in terms of playtime. And, and let's admit that society has learned how to spend a lot of time in playtime. The problem is, as good as play is, it will never make us enjoy life. The only way we're going to enjoy life truly and fully is to begin to walk in our purpose. Nah, Pastor, you, no, that's, that's, that's a biblical, or that's, that's just a, that churchiology stuff. No, let, no. The person that never finds a purpose in life can do all of the play that you can come up with and go to the grave never being fulfilled. I refuse to go to my grave with any sermons still in me. I want to preach them all. I don't want any music left in me. I don't want any oil. I want a, I want a coast. You know, the guy that won the Indy 500. I love that. Ran out of gas. But got across the front. I want to run out of gas at the finish line. I don't want to have a tank full. I don't want to. I don't want to go to my grave and still have music inside of me. Sermons inside of me. Still have oil left that I could have... See, Paul, by the time he wrote Philippians, and I know this is a little different than what I, I normally do, but I just, I, I want, sometimes I think it's good for us to change up a little bit and see how we do it. By the time Paul wrote Philippians, he was old. Everybody say old. He was tired. Everybody say tired. And he's ready to go. I know that we say, oh, no, 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 Philippians, he, he still had, you know, Ephesians and Colossians and First and Second Corinthians, and he had all the rest of it. No, 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 you... you You've got to understand, by the time that Paul writes Philippians, he's an old man. He's tired. He's been in jail for four and a half years. Chained to guards every day of that. And he, by the time he gets there, he's ready. But he says he knows his purpose. Because in Philippians, the first chapter, verse 21, he says this, watch. For to me to live is Christ... And to die is gain. He's, he's ready to go to heaven. He's old, he's tired, he's ready to go to heaven. But he says, listen, while I'm here, i got a purpose. I, I know we're, we're, we're being very personal here, and I, I'll, I'll try to be cautious, because those listening by internet and live streaming, you, you maybe not will, will be able to relate to this as much, but... Several months ago, we laid to rest a, a beautiful brother in the Lord, Brother Paul, from this congregation. Paul, several years ago, lost his wife. And when she passed, he told me, I was, I was sitting in his home, or it may have been, I don't remember where it was, but we were sitting, and, and Paul said, Pastor, I want to go now too. 
I let him say that because there's grief, right? There, the grief is talking. About a month later, he came back to me and he said, Pastor, I want to go. I don't want to be here. I said, okay, Paul. I understand. The grief. A year later, he came to me and he said, Pastor, I want to go. I don't want to be. And I said, Paul. I said, you haven't gone yet. So stop until you do. Stop going before you go. Listen to me. I'm, I'm talking to someone right now because if you've checked out on your purpose, ain't nobody going to pick up your slack. I got my slack to take care of. The people on your row can't pick up your slack. That's yours. If you checked out on your part, but you don't know who hurt me. Oh, oh, okay. Pardon me. I never promised you a rose garden along with the sunshine. You got to take a little thorn sometime. Listen. What's your purpose? What is your purpose? Well, you don't know, Pastor. Now, I, listen, I might be offending some of you or making you upset. That's okay. Because you'll get okay. You'll get, you'll get right. See, I realize as this church grows, woo, we're going someplace we, didn't, we weren't going to go, but we're going to go there. And I got seven minutes. Maybe. Um, as this church grows, I'm not going to be able to connect with every person personally. Our other two pastors aren't going to be able to connect with every person personally. That's why we encourage you to connect with other people within the body so that you can still make connections. Well, I don't, I don't know if I like that. Okay, once again, we're not going to fight a battle that we don't have to fight. Well, I don't like a big church. That's why we have connection groups that can be smaller. Well, I don't know. I, I, need, I need Pastor Pat to be able to come and, and, and talk me down off the wall. Well, Pastor Pat may be on the lake. Well, see, he shouldn't be doing anything like that. He's supposed to be a pastor. He should be in prayer and fasting and ready to come whenever. Oh, see, we're going someplace I shouldn't go. What about calling the person you connected with? Hey, you know what? I'm having a really bad day. You know what, sis? Let's pray about it right now. No, I think I better call the pastor. What if you can't get him? Well, it doesn't matter. I have to. Wow. It's kind of quiet. <laughs> Listen. What I'm trying to tell you is a very simple thing. Don't check out on your purpose. Because the person that's sitting maybe one row behind of you or one row in front of you could be waiting for that purpose in their life so they could begin to fulfill their purpose in someone else's life. Paul said it this way, For to me to live is Christ and to die is skin. I'm going to ask you a very simple question this morning. How would you fill in this blank? For me to live is. How are you going to fill it in? Now, some people are going to fill that in with possessions. I mean, get all you can get, right? Ha <laughs> ha. 
Some are going to fill it in with pleasure. If it feels good, do it. Some are going to write down power or position or popularity. What I'm asking you is what are you living for? What are you going to focus on this week? I'm not talking about this next year. I'm talking about this week. What are you going to focus on? Are you going to focus on the people that have hurt you or maybe left your life? Are you going to focus on the struggles you're going through right now? Are you going to give permanent status to temporary situations? Or are you going to this week begin to see from God's perspective with His priority, with His power to fulfill His purpose? Oh, Cody, come. Stand with me in this house. I, I, I promise. I'm going to let you go. It's been kind of different, huh? But listen, we're going to get, we're going to get something where we get to the place to where life doesn't take us out. We walk focused on Jesus through life. Now, let me, let, me, let me share with you just real quick. As, as a pastor, or as, as, a, as a student, when I was in seminary and in college, studying for my, you know, my associates and bachelors and masters and doctorate, they would teach us that in a sermon, you've got to have a good starting. You've got to have a good story or something that catches everybody's attention. Then you need to really build that middle up so that's where the meat of the subject is, right? Right? And then the ending, you gotta have a catch. You gotta bring it home, baby. You gotta bring it home. What I'm gonna tell you is that as I was praying about this and and, and working and, and studying and getting ready for this, I kept saying, God, how do I end this? How do I end it? God, you've got to give me... Holy Spirit, you've got to give me some way of ending this. Because I need that catch. I need that story that attaches their hearts. And, you know, or, you know, I'm going to have a big altar call. Or, I mean, you know, what's the ending that you want me to do, God? Nothing. Powerful prayer, right? You said, thanks for sharing, Pastor. Thanks for... No, but... So I kept praying, I kept praying, I kept praying. I said, God, you've got to give me something. How do I end this? Everybody say, how does he end it? And in true God fashion, before I came out here this morning, how many of you know sometimes God will not let you in before he wants to let you in? I'm praying in my my office this morning. God, how do I end it? How do I end it? How do I end it? Everybody say, how does he end it? Before I stepped out the doors, the Holy Spirit spoke to me. He said, you don't. I had my hand on the door and I said, that don't make sense. He said, because I don't want it to end. I want something to begin. This is not about ending this service. 
This is about beginning something new this week. So I'm not going to end with a big altar service. I'm not going to end with a big prayer. I'm not going to end with a whole lot of uh, stuff. What I'm going to do is I'm going to say, let's enjoy life. And the way to enjoy it is to have his perspective. It's to have his priority. It's to have his power. And it's to have his purpose. For me to live. What is it for you? Every head bowed in this house. I promise I'm not going to have to have a big... But for you, what is your focus going to be this week? This week. I'm not talking about next year or whatever or whenever. I'm asking what is your focus going to be this week? God, I want the focus to be back on you this week. Not on my situation, not on my problem, not on the people that hurt me, not on the people I've hurt. I want the focus to be that I release, I enjoy. I rest in the Lord. For just about 15 to 20 seconds, would you speak to Him and rest?